his body control is off the charts. The route adjustments that he makes mid-air, the future is incredibly bright for Justin Jefferson. I think he's just an amazing talent. I'm so glad he's on this team. You're 0-0 in the season right now. You're in a playoff picture. You have a record of 500. Like, go on a winning streak or, or do something to where you kind of start solidifying yourself in that conversation. This is MVP, the official Minnesota Vikings podcast. It's episode 121, and what a difference two weeks can make. Following back-to-back wins over the Chargers and Packers, the Vikings are now sixth in the NFC with the opportunity to control their playoff destiny in the remaining seven games of the season. And this week, the Vikings trying to get above 500 for the first time this year when they hit the road to face the 49ers in San Francisco. We got Jay on the ones and twos. I've always wanted to say that. And Gabe Henderson here in the TCO Studios podcast room and excited to be here. Thankful for being here with you guys today. Thankful for a win. It was an exciting game. It was uh, everything that I think we had all anticipated. And uh, even then, some people had gone to the game with my tickets and and we were just having a conversation even last night. And it's still buzzing about how everything went down, the game itself, halftime, the the salute to service game, yeah, everything was, was the, the game in general was, was an incredible game, but everything else on top of that was awesome too. And so just, it was a great experience for everyone. And I think it's even better experience for us since we got to win the game. Yeah. I mean, there's really nothing like a Vikings Packers crowd in a packed U.S. Bank Stadium. I mean, I know I, lo- I love outdoor football. I really do. I like being outside and that kind of stuff. But when you put a dome over that many people yelling and screaming, there's just nothing like it. It bounces for sure. And I think the fact that there were more uh, Vikings fans than Packers fans going into it, I think looking at it pre like pregame, you were like, okay, this this may be 50-50. But once the, you know, the, the crowd started to fill out, you saw more Vikings fans than Packers fans, and you felt that on Sunday when you know, we made some big plays. Granted, you did hear those guys, their fans, when they make some big plays also, but it, it definitely, the energy was definitely felt. It was palpable in there. Jay, I know um, working on the game production side, we talked earlier and you said we, we couldn't use some of the graphics that we wanted to use um, when we were on offense because – we figured their fans would get up too. You have to be very strategic, especially in those kind of games. It's like you can say quiet offense at work, but if you know that their fans are going to get louder when that happens, you just have to kind of back off and let let nature take its course on that one. But, uh, you know, that that's the kind of stuff we just – you have to be cognizant. Um, you know, think about even our team on the road this year. Think about being at the L.A. Chargers game and everything and how loud our fans were. Like, yeah. that's the kind of stuff that you have to be aware of and, and – yeah. I think we just have to have that conversation in the background saying, yeah, this is one of those weeks that team just has to kind of take care of themselves when it comes to that stuff. I love that a little behind the curtain. Is, isn't, there, will. isn't there a record right now that like home teams have losing records this year? Is it? Yeah, I mean, that I wouldn't think, surprise it's, me. It's, it's something along those lines that of road teams have better records on the road than at home this year. I know that was something last year that people were really surprised at and everyone just chalked it up to the fact to that no there fans. weren't fans, yeah. right? And, and offenses could hear, but... I also think part of it is there's just there's so much weird parody going on in the league across the board. I mean, if you really sit there and dissect both conferences, you really have to work hard to kind of there's that there's kind of those uh, those diagrams where it's like, well, this team beat this team and this one beat that one. (laughs) So literally, literally, (laughs) you know, all 32 teams, you could probably say 
every single team should be able to beat every single team this season. And, <laughs> Which and, is great. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what the NFL wants. They want the Every single year, they want the parity. And they always, I mean, the, how many times have you heard any NFL team can beat any other NFL team any day of the week? I mean, it's still any given Sunday. I think that's that's always been there, but I think it's a little less room for um, error now. Yeah. That you're, now you're on the road. And honestly, I think personally, I may be in the minority here, but there's less pressure. Coming off of a year where we didn't have fans, Fans want to win now. So when you're playing home, you have that added pressure of, okay, well, we got to make point. these guys happy. We got to do this. And when you're on the road, it's just like, let's just go out here and get a win and c- come back home. So I think that may that may be a, an angle also, but that's just me. I'd be really curious to see even just ticketing-wise how many people are traveling to other cities to go see their teams play. Yeah, And and just the fact that, you know, there there have been staunch hotbeds of teams that the fan base is like, I'm never selling my tickets, period. It doesn't matter. You know, I'm not going to do it. And I just think given everything else that's still going on in society right yeah. now, there's probably a chunk of people that are like, I want to keep my tickets, but I'm not going to every single game. So I'm more willing to sell. Mm-hmm. I'd be curious to see what those stats are For and that sure. kind of stuff. We're talking about the parity of the league and and how there's little room for error. Uh, speaking of, a couple of weeks ago, I think, you know, a couple of panic buttons may have been hit by some fans worried about this Vikings team and where they would end up. And it's just crazy to see that after that four-game rough patch that we talked about for so long leading up into it, we got out at 2-2. Two and two. And the next three opponents have records below or at 500. So are you impressed that they got out of this like four game gauntlet two and two? I think that was part of the discussion from the beginning was to say, like, just get out the backside of this stretch to feel like you have a chance to make a run. And not only did you do that, but you proved against two really good teams that you can hang with anyone. And I think that is just the shot of adrenaline in the arm that's happening right now for for most fans. Not only are you kind of basking in the glow of getting the win against Green Bay, but the way that they did it the last two weeks, the resiliency of everything, um, I think is something that's got people really kind of energized and excited. And, and given what you know, I just talked about, just saying the level of parity across this conference, like right now, there's a lot of discussion saying who knows who is the, the lead mm-hmm. dog right now. And it's like, just get into the tournament and make a run. That is what you can hope. Yeah, for. Every time you get to the top, it feels like you're being unseated right now. So yeah. just be a yeah. consistent team. Just be a consistent team and be and be battle tested in, in the fact Which I that I think this team is definitely battle tested. And healthy. Yeah. And, and you've played you've played a lot of games that are so close. And it, I just feel like if you get into a, a, a dog fight, it's not going to be too big for you the further we get down this, this season. I remember when I talked to uh, Zim earlier in the year, right before the season started, he said, um, you know, there's going to be some rough patches, but it's always about who's hot at the end of the season who and who's most healthy. And I think um, we're starting to get hot and now we're starting to get some guys back. And I think it's setting up for, for a run here late in the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, the Vikings are definitely not in the minority when it comes to being banged up or having injuries. I think that's something that we're seeing across the league, which we usually always do. We're grateful to have the guys we have and thankful that they're as healthy as they are. Thankful that we're still in the playoff picture, of course. But let's let's start. Let's talk about this Packers game. Talk about the tradition of going around the table and being thankful for stuff. I'd like to go around the room and say the one thing that we were most thankful for in the Green Bay win. So, Gabe, would you like to do the honors and go, go first? Let's go. Let's do it. 
Um, I'm gonna go Anthony Barr, um, a guy that's that's missed a, a handful of games this year, but when he's in the game, his presence is felt. Um, we, we know the the yards given up per game is different when he's playing versus when he's not. And last week we we needed him playing against a guy in AJ Dillon who was uh, a freight truck of, of a running back, and having a guy Anthony Barr who was a freight truck as a linebacker actually you know, have eight tackles, but also set up 20 plus tackles for his teammates. Um, that's that's what I'm most thankful for, because we always hear about, OK, there's a lot of things about Anthony Barr that doesn't show up in the stat sheet. But those eight tackles did show up this week. But one of the things that didn't show up was all the other plays that he was making for other people. And I think he, he played an intricate role in us um, confusing Aaron Rodgers in the first half and then us closing the deal and um having a good run defense, a good stout run defense last week. I think whenever he's playing, um, I'm putting my money on, on this Vikings defense. And it's, it's shown that we can trust him when he's in the game. Yeah, and he's definitely a guy that's not popping off the stat sheet, but has proven that you need him. He's the guy that does the dirty work, does the behind-the-scenes yeah. work. And when you really sit and watch him, that's when it's noticeable. But if you're not, it's just like he's doing what yeah. he's supposed to right. and affecting their offense. I, I remember there was a play in the game where A.J. Dillon basically broke across the line of scrimmage. Anthony engaged him and Dillon ended up bulldogging his way for like an additional three to four yards with not only Anthony on him, but then another couple of players came in. And I'm like, if you're bulldogging Anthony Barr <laughs> for an additional three to four <laughs> yards, I'm like, that guy is ridiculously strong. But it it's just knowing that he's out there and doing what he's supposed to do lets other people be able to do you know their work as well. And it's been great to have him back this season. Yeah, it's one of those things where you only really notice him when he's not there. You see yeah. the the way the defense plays without him as opposed to when he's in the game. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And that's why I think this defense is completely different when he's in the game. Mm-hmm. And I think Kendricks plays a lot better when Barr is playing with him. Um, he did. He has had Kendricks has had two interceptions uh, when Barr wasn't playing. But still, like Kendricks in the run. Ken, I just feel like Eric is able to play more freely when Barr is there sure. also on top of uh, the defensive lineman that we have. So kudos and- to him. Um, I think all Vikings fans are thankful for him, even though even if they don't appreciate him as uh, appreciate him to the point of what he has done for other people. Definitely. For sure. Well, Jay, what are you thankful for from the Green Bay win? The thing I'm most thankful for is getting the win. But (laughs) (laughs) yes, asterisks. I I can say that uh, it will make Thanksgiving a heck of a lot more uh, uh, exciting for me and my family. Um, But specifically, what am I most excited for from that game or most thankful for? Delvin Cook. Um, I know it keeps getting talked about every single week, but the it's the little things. And and the thing that I think was the most impressive for me was not only the the situational awareness, but just the the mental fortitude and the the, the smarts to really remember. You know, you got down to the end of that game. Mm-hmm. He saw daylight. He saw a touchdown coming, and he went down. And he admitted on purpose because he's like, I do not want to give a Raj the ball back. And to be that that selfless and that situationally aware um, and to do that in, in that in that situation in that game I'm sure there's there's been instances throughout the years and everyone's kind of you know raises their, their eyebrows saying why did they stop it's like 
there was a reason and not only doing that, but all the blitz pickups and everything else. Like he, he was given Kirk time to mm-hmm. be able to hit those deep shots. Just the, the cerebral nature of the, his game. It was just amazing to watch. And, and I was super thankful that he was on our side of the ball during that game. Yeah. You know, you can complain. Maybe the run game wasn't as dominant. Maybe he hasn't had the same amount of yards or touchdowns this season, but if you watch him in every single play, like He's one of the best like blockers I think out there. Doing yeah, he he's I think he might be the best blocking running back in franchise history. Um, like what he's what a he difference does, maker. What he does, like just this relentlessness to just give up his body for his teammates. Mm-hmm. We all know he's a selfless person, but how selfless he is as a running back, I think that's why the guys want to block for him that much more when he does get the ball because he know because they know it'll be reciprocated for them to get open. The other thing, too, is, you know, we sit there and talk about, well, he might not be having as good of a season. It's like he had 115 combined yards and a touchdown. And we're sitting there saying, well, you know, it was an off game for him. Like the bar is high. That is the thing. (laughs) He has set the bar so dang high, especially, you know, think about last year's game at Lambeau where he had over 220 yards. It's like he he does all of the little things. And I think that is why there's debates about is he, you know, potentially one of the best running backs ever in franchise history. I think it, it is. Yeah, but it's completely plausible in that it's not just can he run and get a first down. It's he's catching out of the backfield. He's blocking, being a leader of this offense. Mm -hmm. Like he's doing all of the little things as well that are so important. And, you know, as a guy that was here when I basically started my job at the beginning of the Adrian Peterson era, Adrian was incredible to watch as he's busting through a line and just bulldogging guys and running for the end zone. But there's the little things that Delvin's doing that Adrian didn't do at the time, which is why I think that debate, at least modern era, is a legit debate at this yeah, point. I think probably the word complete running back would be yeah. the, For sure. the, the debate here. Um, I think, like to your point, AP is probably the best running back that's in franchise history. But Best pure running back. Pure running back, AP all day, hands down. Delvin Cook, complete. What he does how he affects the entire game, a receiving back, a blocking back, a for sure. route running back. He, he can pretty much do it all. And just keeping that guy um, going forward, I think that is the, the formula for success for this Vikings team. And, and, and kudos to the Eric Sugarman and the whole training staff for making sure that he bounced back from his injury. He looks like he's good to go. And yeah, that's yeah, always a good sign. Like, last week was like the first game I was like, okay, Dalvin's back. back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just from from the kickoff when we won the coin toss, just seeing Dalvin's energy, I was like, okay, like Dalvin's happy. I think we may be in for a good game here. So Yeah, you need your leaders out there. Well, speaking of being thankful for stuff, I am particularly thankful. I gotta show some love to my guy, Justin Jefferson. That is who I'm most thankful for. And I know it seems like it's the obvious answer, but I just can't help myself. Um this his first touchdown. In the game was a play he ran at LSU. Shout out to better Tiger football days. But it was just great to see him pop off in that first quarter. I mean, 100 plus yards in the first half. I just thought that it was the momentum this offense needed. Uh, We know that they can do well on the first couple of drives of the game, but to be able to maintain that throughout the entire game. uh, You know, I think there's a lot of debate and a lot of arguments going on about does this offense run through Justin Jefferson and his route running ability and his ability to be one of the best receivers against man coverage and his back shoulder catches. I mean, there's the list goes on and on. And um, I just think like, I'm, I think we're very thankful for him. And I'm thankful that Jamar Chase was the best receiver out of LSU that year, quote, 
quote, <laughs> best receiver, so that he fell so far down the draft board that the Minnesota Vikings picked him up. I know that uh, Spielman, you watch that video, just the shock level on his face, the, oh my gosh, he just dropped to it, you know. Ever since then, he has done every single thing right to help this team not only win, but just to have incredible hope for the future. I think he is a guy that, like you're, you know, the debate is, well, is Delvin the heart of the team? Is you know Kirk the heart of the team? Is Justin the heart of the team? It's like to have that young nucleus of of Justin and Delvin and and all of the players that are starting to step up at this point. The thing that's different, I feel, about Justin is that the dynamics of his game, like you were just talking about, all the different little things that he does well, the thing that I think is the most impressive on my end is to see not only how athletically gifted he is to break off the line and to make a guy miss or double move or whatever to get space, but his body control is off the charts. The adjustments that he makes, the route adjustments that he makes mid-air where he's, it, it, it just feels like the last time I remember watching this was when you would watch, you know, Chris Carter doing his body adjustments for catching everything and Randy Moss with the sheer athleticism being able to jump up and grab whatever he needed. Like that is the stuff I think that that the future is incredibly bright for Justin Jefferson. I think he's just an amazing talent. I'm so glad he's on this team. I also think he handles all of that pressure and media attention and very well. And and I think that comes from his family. I think that's like the background. That's how they, they raise their boys. And it's just very impressive to me that he is only a second year player. Sometimes I honestly forget that he's only a second year player because of the way he's able to handle the spotlight. Yeah, he gets it. Yeah, um, that's the I think that's the word that everybody's using just for a guy who just gets it. He understands who he is, where he is, who he's impacting and how he's doing it. And he's maximizing that opportunity um, and ultimately getting wins in the process. So. Um, he's what fifty six yards away from being, I guess, his second straight a thousand yard season, and the sky's <laughs> the limit for that guy. Yeah, it's yeah. great to see. The thing for him too is there's supreme confidence, and yeah. I think you know that is when when you're that young and you're coming into this league and you're going against veterans, and you're going against established people, and you're looking at him and you're asking him, you know, do you feel nervous? You know, what what makes you nervous on games? He's like, I don't feel nervous because I know I can believe in my skill set, like. But it's not arrogant. It's like no, I don't no, no. find and it. That's my point. Yeah, I don't yeah. find it to be like, um, like a machismo, like bravado kind of sense of confidence. confidence. It's just confidence, like, like a like a very calm, mature confidence. Yeah, for sure, he's trusting the work that he's put in all off. Yeah, I love that the work he's put in. I mean, that's I could gush key. about him all day. That's key. <laughs> it works. It works when you have that confidence and you got the yeah. skill to back it up. That that's opportunity meeting preparation. Well, it has been a heck of a season so far. We've seen more ups and downs in the last 11, 10 weeks than I think we were ever truly ready for. But as we go around the table saying what we're thankful for, I'd like to ask you guys what you're most thankful for so far this season. So, Gabe, you go first. I'm going to stick with the linebackers. I'm going to go with Eric Kendricks. Um, Just having him through all the injuries and all the turnover that we've had on defense – Having him as the one consistent or the one constant on defense so far this year has been the the most thankful thing, the most thing that I'm thankful for thus far. Um, he He's a guy that comes in, works in week in, week out. You know what you're getting from him. Um, he's been he's, – he's just made a, a step every single year of his career. And right now he's on pace to have another 100-tackle season. And mm-hmm. Anthony Barr, Harrison Smith, P2, there, there's been so many, so many reasons for him to say, like, okay, like, if a blocker gets up to the, to the second level, I can 
Like I can just say like, oh, all right, we don't we don't have our defensive lineman here, but the fact that he still works hard, like he he's a guy that's just been very. Uh, like I said, consistent. Yeah, for me, he is the guy who gives maximum effort on every single play, yeah. and his motor just doesn't quit. Energizer Bunny. He said he's the Energizer. Did he bunny. really? Yeah. He's okay. The, and so it, it it makes sense. And like, I don't I don't see why Vikings fans wouldn't be screaming for him to just continue to do what he's doing because this is a guy that comes in week in week out. We see him here every week. Like just putting in the work, understanding mm-hmm. that his body's hurt. He's been on the audible a few times, and like. He just says, like, man, I'm just hurting. Like, my body, like, my ribs hurt. My stomach hurts. Everything just hurts. But the fact that he figures it out and goes out there and gives maximum effort, I'm thankful for that guy. I literally was texting with a a group of people during the game uh, two weeks ago and just said, Eric Kendricks has solidified himself as, in my opinion, the most important person on this defense. Yeah, The team plays completely different when he's not out there flashing all over the field. Mm -hmm. And we saw that even at the end of the season last season when he got injured, it, it there's a night and day difference there, and he is he is a crucial and critical member of this Vikings defense. All right, Jay. Well, on that note, I think that it's time for you to give what you're most thankful for this season. And obviously, it can't be Eric Kendricks, even though you <laughs> think he's the most important piece. I was very uh, curious as I was listening to you open the show because I was wondering if you were watching my computer screen as I was kind of putting my notes down for oh, what no, I was. I most wasn't. Like. It's almost verbatim to what you said for the very beginning, <laughs> which is oh man, no, is I wrote that last night. <laughs> tenacity and relevancy; those are my two main things. I and, love it. And, and just yeah, think about where we were two weeks ago, where we were. People were debating, saying, "If we lose this game against the Chargers, we're looking at the number four pick in the draft." Mm-hmm. And two weeks later, you're sitting there with a win against the Chargers and a win against the Packers, and now we're talking about the playoff seeding for you know what's coming in January, like. Playoffs, but that's but my. I couldn't. I had to. I had to. (laughs) My point is that the entire season we've had this issue of we're losing close games. We're trying to to figure out our identity. We're trying to figure out what is our future going to hold and what's the rest of the season going to hold. And more than anything, the fact that we've got these two wins now, we're in the playoff hunt, and the the coach has been preaching this entire time, saying we're this close in all of these games that we've lost. And we're going to come out the backside better for it. This is kind of where we're at the point now where you can make some hay from this. And that is what I am most thankful for. I mean, look at those has not quit. Yeah. Look at those teams that were peaking early on. You're like, oh, look at these Super Bowl favorites. They're really struggling right now. Yeah. And coming like Pat Pete said, it's better to play good November, December football than the front of the season. Give yourself a chance and finish strong. It, it, I just think, and, and I guess maybe sometimes there's there's a lot of teams that get complacent. You know, they're they're looking at this going, oh, we, you know, we've had how many times the Vikings have done this too, where you've got four or five wins on the front end of the season, and you're four and zero, five and zero, and all of a sudden you get to the back end of the season and you're struggling just to to maintain that edge. I don't think this team is going to worry about maintaining an edge because they've had to fight this entire season. And I just feel like when you get to the back end of the season, it's that much more important, and you get into some of these tight games. It's not going to be too big for them. They're they're going to be able to know how to fight. Like learning how to win close games is key. Like we've been in so many close games, we've lost a lot of close games, but the fact that we've won a few of these close games as of late, uh, I think that serves us well when it comes to late December, early January football because it's going to be close games. Teams are banged up. Team guys are tired. But the fact that you have proven that you know how to withstand the test of time. I think that bodes well for this entire team. I think that will, I mean, playoff football is, I mean, 
Jay, you said playoffs, so I think we can go down this road. But let's say we do make the playoffs. We know all those games are decided by literally a play, one or two plays. And the fact that we've had those one or two plays early on to test us out, it'll help us out once we, if we get to that point. And we've seen in those games that are close what not to do. And then yeah. you think about the last couple of weeks, what to do. And again, the situational awareness, maybe if you're playing Green Bay in week two, in week two, and you get to the point where it's that close at the end, Dalvin's going to run that touchdown yeah. in thinking like, you know, we have to score these points. And this week after everything we've gone through for the previous 10, you're you're now looking at that one and Dalvin's going, no, I'm getting down on the ground and I'm trusting we're going to kick this field goal and win this game because I don't want to give Aaron Rodgers <laughs> the ball back like that's the kind of stuff that that i'm thankful for so far is that yeah you've, you've you've run the gauntlet and you've definitely got some bruises but it just feels like we're setting ourselves up for the the real run here at the end of the season yeah you know every time we hit you know 500 or we drop you know just like one game below i'm always like okay this is like let's just forget about what happened and focus on what's next. Like you're O and O in the season right now. You're in the playoff picture. You have a record of 500. Like this is where go on a winning streak or, or do something to where you kind of start solidifying yourself in that conversation. And you're playing the, the a team that is one of those that you're you're trying to leapfrog yep. to have relevancy. You're trying to get the the tiebreaker on them for the playoff seating pieces. You've already got one against Carolina. If you can go to San Francisco and get another one on the road, that'll be a giant thing for us moving forward. And if we can get a dub on Sunday, oh my gosh. It's crucial. But every week I feel like we're like, oh, this is a critical game. <laughs> yeah, and it should be, but this one. This one is this big. This one is like this one is this, big. I honestly think this one is bigger than Green Bay. Like you like Green beating Green Bay is great. It's I feel like it's great for because it's a win. I mean, it's the NFL and the win is a win. But ultimately those guys were probably, the way it's looking, they'll probably win the NFC North. Like, if we went out and they went out, if we beat those guys one more time and then they went out, like, they will win the NFC North. So beating a team in San Francisco, like, you you have to win that. This is a team that beat you in 2019. Uh, they've been to the Super Bowl before, and they got a lot of those same guys still in this roster. So if you can go out there and make a statement against a team that's hot. Whew. I was going to say, and they're getting hot like us at the right time. They got a squad. Uh, yeah, we'll get to that in just a second. Uh, what I'm most thankful for for this season, and I'm going to just start from the very beginning of all the stories I heard about the kicking woes and don't trust your kicker here and, and all the folklore. I know it's not folklore, but all, all of the tall tales of, of kickers. And I have to say, thank you, Greg Joseph. I'm thankful <laughs> for his calm demeanor. I'm thankful for his short memory. Um, he has had a go this season and not just because he's, you know, missed some kicks in big moments, but also because he's being put in these moments game in and game out. He's faced go ahead or game time kicks in seven of 10 games. Can you imagine? And he's made five of seven. So, yes, he's not perfect. He's human, but he will make the kick when you need it. And honestly, I'm just thankful that I feel comfortable when he goes out there. Maybe not everyone can say the same, but I feel comfortable. I think making that kick on Sunday is something that eased a lot of nerves for a lot of people. I think, you know, he he's like you said, he has been put in some very difficult positions. 
including some very long kicks as well. Just he's you, good you, from long. And that's though. the thing Jeez. is that that is the thing. I, I just I feel like it's kind of like the Red Sox having the curse and the Cubs having the curse and everything. I think until we get to the point we're in the biggest spot and yeah. he's going to drill something like that, that's when people will finally be able to breathe a little bit more. But the fact that he's done it repeatedly so yeah. far this season, over and over again, gives me more confidence. Knowing even Sunday, it's like okay take that next step he hit that one to win that one as well get down a little bit further and I think for him I think just for the collective for the the Viking collective once he gets the chance in a the biggest spots possible sure and he keeps drilling those that's when people will finally breathe let me ask you this were you more nervous that the game winning field goal when he lined up for that was 29 yards and not 50 which has kind of like been his moneymaker no, I like I I didn't even think of like right after, after the missed extra point. Well, after after the yeah <laughs> after the kick, the first thing I thought of <laughs> was like, dang it! Like where was this? The Arizona Cardinals game. Ah, uh, I know, but you but know, still like it's the Green Bay Packers, and I'm like, we just we just beat the Green yes. Bay Packers, and I'm like, okay, like I I wasn't honestly like I wasn't nervous at all. Like I don't I feel like I don't people know didn't know who he was in the Cardinals game, and they were very quick to pass that judgment because of that kick. Yeah, it was but two if, games in, and you're right, like, all right, you, we've seen this. Jay, you know, yeah, like we've we've seen we've been oh, there. Oh, here before. we are all yeah. over again, and I think he's done a really good job of again short term memory, forgetting that kind of stuff, and it's now the NFL. It's like you have to like as a kicker, yeah. Like, it's, it's the NFL. It's the next kick. If you're offensive player, it's the next play. Like you, I always say flush and fix. Like flush it down the toilet and fix it. Like it's, I mean, your job is on the line. I have too, so, so much respect for people that can do that because I have a very hard time myself flushing sure. bad performances or whatnot. And so I'm like, you know, like if I have a bad day on air, it, it eats me alive. And yeah. I'm like, oh man. So like what I always just, that's like the one thing I respect the most about a lot of these guys is the fact that they can just take it and move on. They always talk about why are kickers such good golfers? They, it's a similar mentality mm-hmm. where it's like, I may have messed up my last shot, but that should not affect what my next thing is going to be. It's why they're so routine oriented. And mm-hmm. I think the the one thing for, for Greg is he didn't grow up with the anxiety of Vikings fans in mm-hmm. the past history and all that kind of stuff. Very true. They hear about it, which is why everyone wants to jump on him for it. And But that is not that is not their history. That is our history. Yeah. When it comes to what he's doing at this point, was I nervous with him kicking the 29-yard field goal? Yes. <laughs> and I, again, I think that's just from all the years of all of the stuff that's, that's PTSD, happened. 100%. <laughs> but, for, for, but for me, it, it, it's the idea of we're putting these guys in position to make a, a, a play. It's their job. It's what they're supposed to do. When Greg came in to take that kick, I had confidence saying, he is going to hit this kick because it is what he has been doing. It's what he's supposed to do. It is his job. And it's it's the 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 mental hurdle of getting rid of all of the anxiety from before yeah. and just saying, like, all of the stuff that came before this does not affect this 29-yard kick. I he just needs to drill it. I love this new Jay attitude about kicking. This is just very refreshing. I think the past two weeks, Jay has been a new man. He's, I don't know what guys, you've you done. You can't see him. He's smiling <laughs> ear to ear. He's so happy. I'm I'm telling you, the, the anxiety of all the years, it's like I have friends who who cannot enjoy a game every single Sunday because of the years of chaos that has happened with this team. Hmm. And I repeatedly, I, I realized this probably, it's got to be at like halfway through working here. 
everyone's like, oh, we might lose this. We might lose that. It's the the old Mike Tice saying of enjoy the season. Like we don't get many of these. You don't get many games every single year. There's a finite amount. And I think if you're going to spend your entire season just worrying every single week of are we going to get a win or not and you're going to live and die on that, you're going to drive yourself crazy. And I'm one of those people. I'm like, let alone having to come to work here every single day, knowing that there's the roller coaster of ups and downs of a season. I've had to find a place for myself just to say, like, enjoy the season. It it, it comes through for five months a year and then it's gone. And we spend the entire offseason going, what is (laughs) the next five months going to be when we get back? Find a way to enjoy the season, because I think the 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 most damaging thing is going to be I've, I've, I saw Cubs fans do this when the Cubs finally yeah. won the World Series. The anxiety of all of the years before that, getting to that Cubs winning a World Series. And at the end, they were just like, oh, my gosh, they won. Like, what do I do? And it's like you missed an entire season of yeah. fun with the anxiety of what happens yeah, if like they that. lose. I'm on the flip side of. What happens if they win? Like every time they win, enjoy it as long as you can and then move on to the next week. Optimistic way to look at things. Trying to. Preach. Very optimistic. I love it. This podcast really turned around. Jamming with Jay. That or I'm just excited about uh, Thanksgiving food, uh, dressing, mashed potatoes, all that stuff. I was going to say, can we put a little bit of organ music behind that in post production? (laughs) I I, I can play some Celine Dion, My Heart Will Go On, and just see how this goes. Yes, please. Yes, please. All right. Well, what's going to make my heart go on is a nice win on Sunday. Let's continue this streak. And as Gabe mentioned earlier, this is a very pivotal NFC playoff game. Chances? Is that the word? Playoff I'm looking implication. For? Playoff implications. This game has Thank you. Postseason implications. There you go. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think um, I'm. Also, I think I'm also thinking about Turkey right now. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, no. It, it's it's a pivotal matchup. It's going to be a hard game. Both teams three and five two weeks ago, and now they're uh, at 500. And both teams getting hot at the right time seems to kind of be both teams figuring out what's going on. So let's get ready for this matchup in the way that we usually do. I'm going to ask you guys to say one thing you're excited about and one thing you're nervous for in this matchup. So, Gabe. One thing that I am nervous about is their running game. Um, They have really good interior linemen that do a really good job of run blocking versus pass blocking. And understanding that Michael Pierce is not playing. And right now it's looking like as we record, Dalvin Tomlinson may not play on Sunday. Um, That that makes me nervous a little bit. They have um, a few guys that can, can get the ball downhill. And with their offensive linemen, you have to look at it and say, okay, we have the upper advantage here. Well, we should have it because we're starting offensive linemen. They're backup defensive linemen, so we should be able to run the ball. I think a guy in Armin Watts and Jay uh, and James Lynch, two guys that have stepped up in the past couple of weeks, they Definitely. have to step up again. And I think this is an opportunity for both of those guys to prove themselves and show the world who they are. I think Armin Watts is playing outstanding. And if you look at Armin Watts, you, if, if I'm Armin Watts and I'm looking at this matchup, I, I'm saying I'm going to dominate these guys. Like These guys are Alex Mack, who's their center, He's been in the league 14 years. Armin Watts, I'm like, okay, this guy shouldn't be blocking me. So it, it goes both ways, but that, that does make me nervous because the San Francisco 49ers, they run the ball a lot. They Who, run the ball um, the fourth most heavy in the NFL. Really? Who's fourth, who's their starting running back right now? Starting running back is Elijah Mitchell. Okay. But Debo Samuel, he'll get the ball. He'll you get saw that back last also. week? He yeah. was a weapon last week from the backfield. They're using him as a running back. So, he, I mean, he's the leading receiver on their team and then third and rushing on their team. So, oh, that's th- it? That's two, yeah. that's, two, that's two guys right there that 
that I think for them, they're going to say, we're going, we want to get the ball down the hill and make this team stop us. Like if mm-hmm. they, if they can't stop the run, we're going to keep running the ball. But I look at it as a challenge too. Tyler Conklin, um, he said it earlier this week, like all these teams say, well, we can do this on the Vikings. We should be able to do this. Like we're third best defense, so they shouldn't be able to do this. But the Vikings look at it as a challenge and say, okay, well, we should be able to do that. Like I, I accept the challenge. And I think those two guys will have to accept the challenge, but it still makes me nervous. Jay, what are you nervous about? Given my Zen speech that I just oh, went I on, I'm going to piggyback exactly off of what he's talking about there too. My nervousness is the PTSD from January 11th, 2020, mm-hmm. which was the playoff game. Mm-hmm. In that game, they killed us because on both sides of the ball, they came after us all game long, not only uh, speed-wise, but just flat-out playmaking. Um, you know what you're talking about there in Debo Samuel as well with, with him. I think the thing that's going to get us off balance is – their speed in the quick passing game. I'm hoping that um, we can find a way to get some pressure on Jimmy G in order to help uh, alleviate that a little bit because if they're going to want to run the ball, you're going to use the run to set up the pass. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that in this game, the speed factor was the thing that killed us two years ago. I'm hoping that our guys on defense this time are going to be able to have a little bit more bracket coverage if possible on a guy like Debo. I know they're going to have to spy it, but for them, even if you do that, Ayuk is a guy who can absolutely streak down the field and really make you pay with those those long, long shots. So I'm hoping on our end, what makes me nervous is I'm hoping that our defense is going to be ready for the speed that's about to come after him this weekend. The one thing you didn't even say, and that was George Kittle. Yeah. Which <laughs> oh, is wow. Crazy. Yeah, right. <laughs> which is crazy because everyone was looking at him as is he the number one tight end in the league and he's been gone for a giant chunk with with the injury bug, but, but he's back. But he's back. He, he's their number one threat. Like Debo Samuel, he just compliments George Kittle very well. George Kittle is a guy that they they want to get the ball to now. And if you focus all your attention on him, and, and, and you got Debo Samuel across the middle, he leads the NFL in yards after the catch. Like they're they're not throwing the ball deep. I think whenever he'll whenever they throw the ball deep, we are licking our chops at that. Well, you I, can't trust Jimmy G to not throw an interception this season. Oh, he's had five interceptions at home. They've all been, all his one. interceptions have been at home. So yeah, a pick is a good prediction. Their win last week was their first home win the yep. entire season. They've they lost all their other home games. I know the fans. I have, I have friends in the Bay Area. and The fans out, out there were were really scratching their head, going, you know, what are we supposed to do with this team? You know, they were getting really frustrated given the fact that Sounds every familiar. time exactly. And that's the thing is like this team reminds me of us. In that <laughs> Unfortunately, they have a lot of playmakers. They've got but and if you get the quarterback some time, he can make you pay. But but for me, what really makes me nervous is, you know, Debo's got over a thousand yards combined on the season already. I'm sure a lot of those were eaten up because of Kittle's lack of production due to injury. Now that he's back, you know, to your point, I'm sure that they're going to try and diversify this offense as much as possible. And what what better way than a safety valve than George Kittle? What makes me nervous is ball security. I think that's going to be one of the top priorities for this offense. Not that they've struggled with it in the past. That's not really what I'm trying to drive home, but the 49ers have forced four turnovers in the last two games, led by Josh Norman, who has a league-high six forced fumbles. That's scary to me. And I think as long um, – I, I think whoever wins the turnover margin wins the game. I, I agree with you on there. I know they're the first eight games of the season, they were minus nine in the turnover ratio. This past couple of weeks, they've been plus four. Mm-hmm. So to your point, Josh Norman, he does, he is a ball hawk. I've – Play, I've known him in high school, played against him twice in Did college. Did really? uh, Worked with him three years in Washington. So oh, wow. like I, That's cool. Josh Norman, he, he, he'll he get beat deep, 
But if you catch a hitch route, he's going to try to knock the ball out your hand. Are so, you getting in those meetings, giving everybody a little bit of inside advice? Yeah, I'm trying to. I talked to Zimmer this week and he said, yeah. I don't want to hear. No, I'm joking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but like that, this is a team, like I said, if, if you don't get pressure on Jimmy G, like you won't. Yeah. Like they won't force, they won't turn the ball over. Like the the reason why they're running these past couple of games is one, they're controlling the time of possession. Jacksonville Jaguars, first possession of the game. They had a 20-play drive that lasted 13 minutes. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. And then the week before, (laughs) they had an 18-play drive that lasted nine minutes. So they're on the field for a while. And how they're doing that is running the ball effectively. So if we don't get those guys off the field, they know Jimmy G is a guy that if you leave it in his hands, Mm -hmm. that's not where they want to be. So we have to force turnovers. So to your point – Whoever wins the turnover battle will win this game. Yeah, and and I I trust I trust the players here. You know, I think that's one of the things that we can hang our hat on is is our turnover margin and and the ability to not turn the ball over. Really, you know, anyone Kirk Dalvin. I know Dalvin had that one crucial fumble, but like really everyone's done a pretty good job so far. But yeah, um, it's yeah, yeah. Knock on. I don't know if you heard that, but we're knocking on wood. Um, so yeah, let's let's turn things around and think. Um, because I just feel like. After we talk about these nervous points, I'm always like, oh, my God, it's going to be so hard on Sunday. So let's flip this flip this switch and, and talk about something that we're excited for in this matchup. So, Gabe, take it away. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about just our, our screen game against this San Francisco 49ers defense. They're, they're very aggressive. Their defensive line, Eric Armstead. Um, their de- man, who's their defensive end? Defensive end, Sampson Ibukum, I believe. Like, both of those guys are very, very aggressive and on film the past two weeks, even the Jaguars, like they weren't effective in, you know, getting their screen game out there. But you saw if they were able to complete this pass or the screen, there was a lot of chunk yardage. So um, the Arizona Cardinals in their win, they were very successful uh, in the screen game. So I think if we if we're able to run the ball effective and get those guys upfield, we'll be able to, to throw some screens behind them. I will kind of piggyback on that because I know this might be an, another minority opinion, but I'm excited about Dalvin Cook's ability to run on this defense. I know that in the last three weeks, it's been really difficult for running backs to get going. They rank fifth in the league in rushing yards allowed, but in the last two games, they've only allowed 54 and 52 yards on the ground. But I, I don't think that James Robinson or Daryl Henderson, no disrespect, but I don't think they're Dalvin Cook. Yeah. And I think that he could really be an X factor in this because this team is used to stopping the run and being able to control the game from the secondary, being able to force a team to be one-dimensional. And I don't think they can do that to this team. Yeah, and I think that goes back to your point of winning a turnover battle. Yeah. And I think winning the time possession battle is key here too because Very true. the 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 LA Rams, they were down 14-0 to before they even – got their second touch of the game. They went on the 18-play drive the San Francisco 49ers. Then I think the 40, the LA Rams threw a pick six or something or threw an interception of some sort, and then it was 14-0. to So now you're playing catch-up football. Same thing with the Jacksonville Jaguars. 20-play so drive. don't get behind. Don't get behind, <laughs> but also like be good on third down. Mm-hmm. Get those guys off the field and sustain drives. So to your point of Dalvin Cook being great, our run game is just going to have to be great, which means our offensive line is going to have to be key. Definitely. Jay, what are you most excited about in this matchup? The further development of this offense. Uh, the last two weeks, you know, prior to that, fans were decrying, saying we need to take more shots downfield, et cetera, et cetera. We've even seen in the press conferences after the game, you know, Kirk saying, like, 
hey, this is good, but at the same point, I don't want to be too risky and Zimmer saying, forget it, light it up. And <laughs> with Zimmer on that too, I think with him just saying, listen, if you throw a pick because you're being aggressive, it's kind of the idea of I'd rather have you make a mistake while being aggressive than being timid and, and just leaving stuff on the table. For for me, it's feeling like you're, you're going against a couple guys here as well, somebody that we haven't, haven't even mentioned this week. For the second week in, in three weeks, we're, we're playing a Bosa brother. And you've got him. He's got 10 sacks already on the season. You got another guy in Fred Warner who's got, I think, 84 tackles already on the season. And then you look at Jimmy Ward as the safety. He has not missed a tackle this entire season when he's engaged with the player with the ball. That is an insane stat to me that you're, uh, you know, week 12 and, and this guy has not missed a tackle. So defensively, they have weapons at every single level. We already brought up Armstead. It's just one of those things on this offense you cannot get uh, timid and intimidated on this this week and I just feel like the confidence we've had against the 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 caliber of of players and teams that we've been playing the last couple weeks I'm really excited to see for the I think it's third or fourth straight week we will now be facing the third ranked passing defense and every single week everyone's like oh we got to run the ball because we can't do anything against the pass Forget it. This offense has said we are going directly at the heart of what you are good at, and we're going to try and make you uncomfortable. And that is what I'm excited for this week. And I think out of the three teams that are the top three in the pass defense, this is probably the worst one. So that's just my opinion. But Mm -hmm. you look on the film, like the Ravens, they did have some injuries. But how they ran their defense, I was like, like, man, this is going to be tough. That's why, you know, we weren't as effective in the pass game as we were. And then the 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 Chargers, I thought they were really good in the past day. You got Derwin James, Nasir Adderley, who was out, and then uh, Asante Samuel came back. I was like, this may be tough. But when you had those injuries, I was like, all right, well, maybe we got a chance. But like looking at like Josh Norman and then Jimmy Ward, I'm like, man, we, we may have some some shots if, if we take them. And that, that goes with not turning the ball over, too. What a clash. I mean, it, it's, I, insane. It's, it's really crazy to think about the amount of confidence both teams are bringing into this and how important setting the tone is going to be, but like holding on to it. I think if we can finish the second quarter without letting them score in those final two minutes, if we can come out in the third quarter, set the tone there as well. Like you, you can't, you can't have a lull in the game at all in this, in this particular contest with these two teams. Yeah. Like I said, the, crazy. the Rams, their first two drives, they threw an interception and the 49ers had 14 points. Well, 21, if you count the pick six, but 14 points off of those turnovers. So yeah, pr- protect the ball. Protect the ball. All right. Well, we have a lot uh, a lot of content, even though it's Thanksgiving week going yeah. on. We're pretty busy over here just making sure you guys get enough after all of the spectacularness of this past weekend. So we've got another edition of the Audible coming up. Gabe, you want to talk about that? Tyler Conklin is the all guest right. this week. TC83. TE uh, number one. T Tight end one for sure. Um, <laughs> we talked about a lot. I mean, it's more so about him as a person versus what he's done during the season. And um, he's so he, interesting. He, yeah, he is. He's very interesting. He very interesting. He's a neat freak. He's very OCD, which is something that that we will learn on the show. And I think Vikings fans will be in for a treat. Jay, Jay, you're on the ones and twos for that one. Yeah, it was going through and, and doing the edit for it as well. And 
I, the thing I I've talked to Tyler outside of, of this stuff just a little bit and, and got to know him minimally outside of that. And I just, in general, for me that it feels like he is a genuine guy mm-hmm. who, Definitely. if you really think about it, he was thrust into the spotlight this year where he's been kind of the guy in the background. He, he, you know, was, was kind of behind Kyle Rudolph before. And, and now he's getting his chance with, with Irv out as well. And to see him step up and just hearing his mentality of what his goals are for the season was great. So I think fans are really going to love this this episode. Yeah, I spoke to him last week and he was talking about, you know, being thrust into the spotlight, like as you said. And he said, this is the opportunity I have been waiting for. And so there was no doubt in my mind that I could rise to the occasion. And so you'll love a guy with confidence like that for sure. Jay, up next, we've got Vikings Vantage on Fridays. Exciting stuff. We got a uh, California kid internally here, Eric Smith, jumping on the episode. And I'm looking forward to to hearing his take on this stuff. I know he's been not only been looking forward to this game as well, but he's also been doing a bunch of stories talking about um, even this last week, the fact that Dennis Ryan missed his first game. It'll be great to have Eric on the show this week just to jump in and give us all the updates on what's going on with the Vikings team right now. Dude, Eric is in the weeds. Like he knows everything about this team inside and out. So. That's um, why I love having him on opposing viewpoints. Like he's, he's always so good at it. He's great. He has a he has a big personality too, which is why I love him. I love the guy. He was very quick to correct us on where in California he is from. He might be from <laughs> California, but he is nowhere from near the bay. That's why I said the California kid. Right. I know. He's like, um, that's 350 <laughs> miles away from my hometown. Yeah. So I, sent, I sent you guys. So for fans <laughs> that are wondering what's what we we're talking about, I sent over the script for Vantage this week. And I, in the script, I was like, Eric, you're going back to the Bay Area. And I, I put any kind of, it was like the second or third line in the script. Or something, so it's and I put any kind of money. He didn't see anything else on the he script. He only saw but that. the Bay Area. For sure. And he he <laughs> was so quick to respond, too. It was like he just took one look and he was like, I am not from there. <laughs> I was like, same difference. It was like, no, 350 miles away. So. Yeah. Good to have him on Vantage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, so. He's a San Jose Sharks fan. You know, it's close enough. Oh, yeah. really? I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. that's okay. a squad in the NHL. Got it. Well, coming up on Game Day Live, I am really excited about this interview. This will air Sunday on Fox 9, or you can check it out on YouTube or the Vikings digital channels. But we've got Captain Kirk himself. Kirk Cousins sat down with me earlier this week, and we talked about just the way that the offense is performing. He talked in length about the Green Bay win and also the little fan interaction he had on the road afterwards. If you haven't seen that video on the Vikings Twitter account, you definitely should go check it out. But yeah, Kirk is our guest this week, and so we're excited about that. Excited about this matchup? Stick with Vikings.com and all Vikings digital and social channels for everything you need to get ready for Sunday's big-time matchup in San Francisco against the 49ers. That kickoff is a 325 on Fox. We cannot wait to see as many fans there as possible. We also hope that you guys have a wonderful and safe Thanksgiving. Enjoy the time with your family and get ready for Sunday. 